I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. everyone i'm excited to welcome our next guest mexican born and new york based chef and co-owner of two-time michelin star restaurant contra wild air and culinary partner of new noho hangout jacks on bond it's actually in the old smile space for new yorkers who are listening i actually got the pleasure of going there last night and i think i i said it was the best tuna sandwich and the best ham sandwich I've ever had <laughs> and had the Caprese Martini. Fabian von Hoskveltiera, welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to have you. We have a lot of questions for you. A very young success story and continued success. So we are just so excited to hear what you got to say. Yeah, thanks for, thank uh, you for being here. Thanks for having me. Of yeah. course. Looking yeah. forward to all of the to the venting session. <laughs> yeah. I yes. did say, I was like, well, Fabian's a friend. And I was like, oh, it's just like therapy. Don't worry. It's, it's really that. It's therapy for us too. So yeah. don't yeah. worry. It's therapy for everyone listening. Well, we hope. Yeah. Just be a lot of crying. <laughs> and, uh, We're all here cry. for you. We're all here for you. <laughs> we have tissues over there. So amazing. Um, so not to start off so deeply, but the question but we, we always, always ask um, at the beginning is what is your definition of fulfillment and what is your definition of success and are they at all intertwined? Oh, I kept thinking about this when Jasmine first told me and I, I realized that I don't know if I'm the best person to answer these two questions, but so what I've been thinking is that success is more related towards, I guess, like careers just like motivations in that sense, whatever it is like financial or stability or yeah, career wise. And I really don't think, I mean, when someone tells me I'm successful, I, I really don't think I'm successful. You know, I think it's really hard to see success unless you're outside of it. And unless you've already seen what you've done, then 
that is success because anything else that you're living is just part of like a whole concoctions of like ups and downs and like ups and downs. And, you know, I don't really know if that could be called success. So that's what the success bit is for me. And fulfillment, I think, is just, you know, being fulfilled by what you have or what you've done. And I think that you could be fulfilled by not even being successful. You know, I I know, you know, my, my parents are from very small towns in Mexico. And I go see my uncles and they have very normal jobs. You know, they have decent, humble houses. They don't do much and they're just happy. They're, they seem fulfilled. So I'm like, okay, that's what fulfillment is. Like maybe just, it is just having what you need and nothing more. And that's what I think it is. And then I was thinking to myself, have I met anyone in New York or in Mexico City that feels fulfilled? And I think my, the answer is no. Wow. Always. That's bold. I Tell us more. I just think that, you know, we're all so driven by material, career-driven things, stuff that is just more materialistic other than like spiritual or like, I mean, I think a lot of fulfillment is stability and it's impossible to achieve stability here. I've met a lot of people who are who think they're successful, you know, <laughs> in the sense that like they own big apartments and like they go out to eat everywhere, like spend crazy money and they think that's success. I'm not saying that I think that that's success, but I think that's where the difference is. I think when you're in this environment where there's so much, being fulfilled is impossible because like what fills you when you're actually surrounded by everything? If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's also just a more is more culture here. I mean, I'm not going to say that LA isn't like that either because it is. Everywhere. You were saying your your family and friends in Mexico City are like that too, right? Yeah. Mexico City. It's the same. Yeah. Way. Any big cities you I know, feel like yeah. are really like that. So it's kind of hard to avoid. It's funny because Annabelle and I started this podcast kind of coming out of COVID and coming out of New York, yeah. our New York mindset, where I actually said this transparently to friends, like after I kind of looked back at my time in New York and I had so much fun and I met so many cool people. And I think New York does, it has an obviously irreplaceable energy. Like that energy is, you can't get that anywhere else. It's incredible. However, I did say to all a bunch of friends of mine in LA who are now, who are ex-New Yorkers, like the epitome of New York is waking up in a really nice apartment and still not feeling like you have enough. Like for me, at least. I felt like there was a constant, like, more, more, more. And that's definitely a part of culture, myself, who I am. I'm not blaming it all on New York, but I completely get your, there's just so much stimulus here. So it's like, how do you not be distracted and be like, well, I don't have that apartment. So, yeah. or I can't afford to eat at those places, or I don't know the right people. Yeah. You know. So um, given though what you said, I'm assuming you're not fulfilled then too. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> if you're saying that, if you're saying no one you uh, know, are you fulfilled? I don't think I am. No, no. Do you find, okay, so fulfillment, I think from like the loaded word, like when you're like looking in is sometimes hard. But I would say like, from what I see, at least in you, that you are fulfilled in your like day to day. Like you love what you do. You're, you know, visionary, you have a great team, you're an amazing leader, you, you know, are really well known in kind of this the restaurant space. Like, does that bring you fulfillment kind of day to day? 
in professional fulfillment, yes. I think I'm I'm just but speaking more of a overall spiritual end of life goal sort of, you know, will I be fulfilled at 50, whatever it is. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. On a daily basis, yeah, most times I'm fulfilled. You know, I get to see people I want to see. I like do these things. I see the businesses thriving for the most part. And yeah, I feel fulfilled in that sense, for sure. But then I think that's where we defer, like big city maybe, I don't know, maybe this will sound wrong, but like, you know, you come to New York and everything is, everything is the work. It's hustle, hustle, hustle. Like, and it, and it is true. I mean, like people would like to say it's not, but I think it is. Like people who move here, it's because they work and they work, they work, they work, they work, they work. And that's all there is. It's just kind of hard, you know? It's like, you're the new person and that's what you have going on for yourself. But then there's about a batch of new people coming in and then you have to reinvent yourself. You have to reinvent yourself all the time. So you have to keep going all the time. And I don't think that that's necessarily a mentality in, in other places, you know. Um, and this is just a very small example. I was talking to my grandma the other day and we weren't talking about fulfillment, but we were talking about like, oh, you know, what would make you happy? So I was like, oh, you know, I would really like to travel to... I don't know, I think I said like Tokyo or something. And then she was, and I said to her, would you want to come to New York? Would that make you happy? And she was like, not really. I've never left Veracruz. I have no intentions. I'm pretty happy. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, that makes sense. And I'm like, I'm so glad that you're happy by not trying to seek for these things. Yeah, sometimes when you don't know what you don't have, you're just so content in your day to day. Like if you've never traveled outside, you don't know what you're even missing. So you can be very happy within. But so you were saying like, okay, so New York, it feels like it's very hard to be fulfilled. There's constant stimulus. But how about when you were in Europe for a bit, but right after culinary school, right? Yeah. When you were there, did you feel like that same type of like crazy hustle, like everyone like on the rat race? Or did you feel like people led more of a fulfilling life? Well, you know, I think... And maybe we spoke about this the other day, you and I, but I, for me, like life and what I've, I've learned is that it comes in layers, you know, and I see my life now as like, a, it's been like four, three, four layers, you know, and, and I remember going out of high school and getting a kitchen job and it was just, that's what I became immersed. You know, my fulfillment was just working and I just wanted to work at the best places. I went out to work with the best people. And that's, I, I was fulfilled. You know, that was my only goal was to wake up, go to work, work as hard as I could, go home. And that was a fulfillment. You know, if if one day I was better at doing what I was not as good the, the day before, I was fulfilled. That sort of thing. But then you change, you know, your life changes. And like, I don't know, for me, for example, was went from that to opening a restaurant, to working all day, then being in a relationship. Then like, what's fulfillment? Like, need to change things, right? Because being with someone is fulfilling you. Doing what you were doing before, it's kind of like not fulfilling anymore. So you have to change again, you know? And then like, it's a fluctuation thing. And it's just like life changes all the time. And I think that's where you just need to, I've needed to reapproach. And I don't know if that makes sense. So I have been fulfilled here in New York, but it's because my mindset was different. You know, I wasn't thinking about my future. I wasn't thinking about like, oh, how am I going to buy a house or how am I going to, 
you know, have kids at a point and like be able to have, you know, a good financial being for them. Like I was just thinking about like, oh yeah, the puree needs to be done tomorrow. So I'll get the puree done. And I was like, okay, done, fulfilled. That sort of thing. So you were much more fulfilled when you're like kind of more living in the moment and living in the day-to-day versus thinking of like all the other things that you need to get. Or the things that, yeah, you want, which is fair too. Well, I think the goals were smaller and more concise. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's why it was easy to be fulfilled because my bubble was just working at a restaurant and working to the best of my capacity. So that was my bubble. And then, so every time I accomplished that, I was fulfilled for sure. But then beyond that, there was nothing else. And then, you know, when you see that you grow up and then you start seeing that maybe, oh, you know, like you need other things to be fulfilled. And that's when, you know, I think that's when it gets trickier in a city like this, where everything is so expensive, where like, you know, you have to do so much to to get more and then you get more and then you realize you have to get more. and That sort of thing. I don't know if that makes No, it makes sense. It's actually very similar to why people look to children as such inspiration for, because not because in a negative way, their world is small, but like they're so in awe of everything and what is and the present and that, and they're not thinking about their mortgage in 10 years if they want to have three kids and et cetera, et cetera. But those are all very fair, reasonable human desires. You know, like that's not crazy to want those things. Um, it's definitely comforting looking, I mean, you have amassed great success and esteem and respect and like, it's comforting in a way to know that like everyone has the same concerns and looking at their future, right? Like no one's really exempt from that, especially in a city like New York where it is really competitive and like, that's just the way in all of these cities, even LA is super expensive as well. And Miami, Mexico city, not a commercial for New York, but you know, yeah, like you, you just live in big cities and People just have bigger drives because there's more people. Yeah. Well, um, and I think the the goalpost moves, right? So yeah. I would love we'd love to get into like a younger version of you. You opened your first restaurant at 23 and it was very successful. And it got a it still is. start. <laughs> it still is very successful. It's amazing. And I think it's so funny because I sure a younger version of you or anyone looking on the outside is like, holy shit, that's incredible, right? And maybe at that point, that was really fulfilling, as you were saying, and enough. But then as you get older, your priorities shift and not everything is about commercial success and more about, you know, it sounds like you're right now you're looking more to like internal, introspective, spiritual, familial success. Which yeah, is and you know, you, um, you both said it. It was, uh, I, mean, I hate bringing it up. I'm sure everyone has just the pandemic happened. And, you know, um, it was like that kind of moment when you realize that, you know, you never think well, while you're building it, you never think of like how it's going to crumble. Like that's never part of the, everyone who tells you open a business, everyone who's trying to motivate you, they're like, <laughs> don't ever think about this negatively. Think about the things that could go wrong, but don't think about it like, it's going to crumble because that's just not a good mindset. But then I guess certain things happen and then it just crumbles. Right. And then you're just left with really nothing like the awards, the anything, it doesn't mean anything. And then you just have to find new ways to survive and like thrive and all these things. And that was another layer to my life. That was like, you know, at the time I was with a girlfriend who 
I really knew that she wanted to move back home. She from Ireland. She wanted to move back to Ireland. And then I was here kind of like, uh, like, okay, the restaurants, are they going to survive? Like, should I stay here? Should I go home to my parents in Mexico? You know, my siblings had moved one, moved to Mexico. Uh, my sister stayed here. But then it was just like that whole thing of like, for the first time in a long time, really approaching my life for my life and not for what I do. And then I think that changed, you know, that really changed everything. And so now that's when I've been able to see that I need to be looking for deeper things in life. And like, I need to be looking for, you know, sustainability. I need to think about the fact that like one day I'll be 50 and I don't want to be on my feet all the time. Or, you know, I want to buy a house one day. I want to have, you know, maybe family, maybe not. But like, just, just think about all those things, you know. Spending more time more time with my parents. I think you and I spoke about this. Yeah, but like aging parents is definitely yeah. a reality. Like that's yeah, yeah. It's but not you, to be morbid, but you also it is touched true. on something that is I wanted to ask you. It's like right now your restaurants, like you are the face of your restaurants. You are there day to day. You know it relies on you. Your employees rely on you. Your customers rely on you. Like to be present, like in person. How is that like? pressure and you're kind of mentioning you also like want to be able to like have a life with kids and take a step back a little bit like how do you see that in a world where like you're like the main person there? well i the pandemic really helped me make the shift in my mind and i think now the restaurants are the restaurants and i'm just part of it Mm -hmm. and something that i think was very helpful for us is that we were like Creative, uh, creative is a word. I don't know if creative is a word, but we were good enough to kind of like give the at least both of the restaurants we have like their own personalities and they're just doing their thing, you know? And like, I feel more, more like a spokesperson for the restaurants than like, I have to be there every night. And like, if someone tells me like, are you here at eight on a Friday night? I'll be like, no, nah, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just not, but someone will take care of you, but you know, just won't not be me. me. <laughs> But if but I'm I'm always like, do you want to come in between like nine and twelve? I'll be here if you want to have a coffee or something. That's the shift, really. And I think hopefully, if you at least are able to see Wilder or Contra, like they become their own sort of personalities, and then we're just kind of driving it from the back. You're doing the behind the scenes. Yeah, and also just like me and myself and my partner, we don't really like the. We've never liked to put our faces to the businesses. You know, I think. That's a, a big mistake when you're doing so, something like a restaurant because, you know, it just evolves and it sometimes evolves without you. Sometimes it, things need to change. But I think it's just creating more of a brand than a restaurant, I suppose, that we've been trying to do. And, uh, you know, the pandemic was really helpful for that just to get creative and do different things and like, you know, try to make people to think, oh, Wilder, Contra, not like Fabian von House and Jeremiah Stone, like, you know. I think it's just easier. It's so interesting that you say that because I do think we are living in a time where, and not for better or for worse, like this has been very helpful for some people's business, but every business has a human behind it and has a face behind it. And like you can follow your favorite brand's founder on Instagram and you can, and people feel more connected to the brand that way. And it's interesting that you've since the beginning seem to have chosen to be like, no, like this is like our art and this is what we've created versus this is like our time to shine. But it is an extension of you in some ways. 
You also mentioned that sometimes the restaurant will evolve without you. Has that happened? I mean, in the sense of, yes, I, like, you know, the restaurants change all the time, depending on who the person is. Like, you know, we, we have us and then we have a sous chef and then kind of the restaurant, the conversation is, uh, the restaurant is a conversation between us. And then, so you see it all fluctuate, you know, it's very much the same, but with like someone else joining the conversation. So, you know, I think now you just kind of like try to take from all of that. I just meant it more in a, in a sense of, you know, I feel like now we're able to see what the restaurants need to be in the sense of what people want them to be, other than me really wanting to put a dish out and being like, this is, you know, I've been dreaming about this dish and I drew it on a piece of paper and it's going on on the menu. Instead of that, it's like, oh, you know, it seems like people want to eat like, I don't know, uh, Sunday with these berries and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, let's make a Sunday and we'll make the best Sunday we can. And then like put it out. People love it. Everyone's happy, you know. And Contra has been a lot of, of, of that. It's, you know, when we opened, it was very abstract and conceptual. And there was a lot of like really weird, dark flavors and just kind of like obscure. And then now it's been 10 years. And, you know, now the focus is in like, let's just get really nice produce to simple, beautiful food. Hopefully people will like it. And then it changes. It, it, it changes and so much in the sense of like, you know, it's not, directly like if I had a, a kitchen with two seats and I cook for the two of you like every night maybe that would be a sole reflection of me but you know this these are two machines that just require so many people and so many people are working hard and so many people need their voices like being put in there that it just becomes like a, a team effort. So it sounds like the pandemic had a huge like shift in your mindset does that also like we talk a lot about on the podcast monetizing hobbies, right? And for some people, cooking is a great hobby and they love to do it and they love to host and that's like what makes them happy, but they're not making money off of it. Mm. With having to do all this business, there's a business side of it that's obviously more, it's like for Anima and I, it's the tech part of the podcast. We're like, we don't love that, but we love everything else. For you, there's this business aspect and this business side how do you feel about it? And I guess over time, has that sort of made it lose some of its allure because it isn't just a full expression of yourself? It's not tainted, but it's, I'm looking for the right word, but it's just like, you know, it's, it makes it a little less fun now that it's monetized. Is that how you feel? No, not really. You know, I, I come from a family. My my dad is a, he's a businessman and he's always been very much of like, you need to make money. And yeah. then that's the first thing, you know, and then for the longest time, I was like the kid with, you know, my dad was wearing a suit and I'd have the tattoos and listening to punk rock and just being like, uh, <laughs> like money doesn't whatever. Um, but, you know, now we think about it and like having money allows you to do different things and it actually gives you freedom to do more stuff. Um, you know, you can pay people more, you can get nicer ingredients, you can do all these different things. So for us, the goal isn't to make more money, the goal is like how to get more traction and how to make the businesses more kind of like friendly for people to come and check them out. And, you know, the pandemic was a lot of stuff happened from from that. You know, we I used to do graphic design for like bands when I was growing up. I made all the flyers for all our shows and stuff like that. And I really stopped doing that for 
15, I'm sorry, 10 years. And then when the pandemic happened, like we were chatting, we're like, how do we, you know, how do we put something out there? That's if, if people aren't out how do we put it out there? So it's like, oh, social media. So every day it was like making graphics or making videos, taking photos, doing all these things. And then that sort of became a big part of what the business is now. And I don't think that that would have come out from anything else other than the necessity to do it. You know, like, I don't know, we do uh, like these donuts every Saturday and they like, it's not a money-making thing, but it's like a good like marketing yeah. situation. You know, people see it and they like, it's a thing. They know while the donuts every Saturday, they like do their thing. So stuff like that. I think it's more, less about trying to create money, but more about trying to create the opportunity for more business. And I think there's a lot of really creative stuff that came out of the pandemic, for sure. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's amazing that Contra has been around for 10 years and it's still like such a hot spot in the city. Because I think a lot of times, you know, because there's just so much else out there in New York, there's so many restaurants that sometimes the restaurant's there for a couple of years and then it kind of loses its magic and then it kind of goes away and and especially surviving the pandemic too. So it just shows that you're constantly like reinventing yourself. You're never like kind of status quo, like people are going to come no matter what. You're kind of just like always like putting in some new stuff in it. I wanted to ask you like about leadership because obviously to start a restaurant, it is a business as we just talked about and there's teams and employees and all sorts of things. And as someone who's 23, probably not much experience like being a manager, running it, um, and then someone, you know, to experience the pandemic and to make sure that the team is like, okay, and you're going to figure this out. How do you kind of like instill and this like sense of like, you know, team drive and collaboration even when you're not sure yourself? And then like, how did you develop your own kind of leadership style that worked for you? That's a good question. Well, I think still being developed. I'm luckily enough, uh, I have a very good partner too. And, you know, he has a lot of the things I lack and, you know, vice versa. But I, I really think the common thread with us is that we, we show up, you know, and we we work. And I think that is how we show that, you know, we're still there. And like, hopefully that is like a sign of like people seeing us and knowing that we care. And so, you know, they care as well. And it's all very much like we really let people kind of come into the restaurants and like transform the spaces into their own themselves as well. So it's a lot of um, it's a conversation. And then there is a lot of like working with them, you know, being present in the same space. And that is really kind of what we're trying to do. You know, for us, it's always been like making sure that people know that we're putting in the work. Because if they see us working, then they they know that that they can be supported by us. You know, there's always one of us present at all times. So I think that's what we want to create. And like mentorship wise, you know, I think. You know, there's like little bits here and there. Like we, we have we have meetings. I have a meeting every single day with Lady Sophia, who helps me with pastry. But I have a meeting with her every single day. And I think that's something that I never, you know, I never got that chance to talk to someone privately who I was working for every single day. Or like, you know, not just talk about like what we're doing, but just like about other things, you know, because I think your life really 
informs the work. So I think it's important to be in that that moment of like, hey, how's it going? How are things? You know, how are you feeling today to do this? Like, how are we looking with the projects we have? Having conversations very one-on-one and, you know, very uh, humane. Like, I'm I'm not trying to be like a boss boss, you know? I just trying to be like, just seeing it all and then like, see what could be better. I don't know if that makes sense. That's a long answer, but that's kind of what I think about that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When um, we were both reading about this and you mentioned it, so you were in a band as a kid, or kid being, you know, in high school. As a teen. As a teenager. As a teen, yeah. yeah. And you were into graphic design. What was the like impetus for moving into food um, and doing it so well? <laughs> like so you gotta have real passion, I think. I was in a music kind of circle that became very serious. Um, it was like when punk rock and like indie was happening in Mexico, and I was like in the thick of it. And I was playing in a band. One of my bandmates left, and then he started like a band that now is huge back home. But a lot of my friends were like either... What's it called? They're called Little Jesus. Little Jesus. Little Jesus. So, yeah. Listen Anyone to Little wants Jesus. To, yeah. <laughs> and then other friends were either getting older and then going into college or just like not doing anything anymore. And then I, I stuck with it. I was doing the, you know, everything like merch, logos, everything. And then it was the time when I was... I had to go to college because... Um, you know, I'm from a Mexican family, so I had to have some sort of education. And then I was like, I really like cooking and I had done it before. And I was like, do I, I really like graphic design, but I don't, I don't know if I'm built for four years of school and like, you know, I don't know. So I like looked up at a NYU. My brother was moving here at the time. So I was like NYU looking at applications. I was like, nah this is not for me um then i took an internship in mexico i started working then i went to school here i started working with this guy dave arnold in the french culinary institute the school that i went to and that's just kind of when it happened like i just became absorbed and from then it was like i don't know maybe like from it was from like 2007 to like 2013, when I was just like working, 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 working. I moved to Copenhagen, moved to Australia, moved to, you were talking about uh, visa issues. So I like, I when I was working in New York, 
I was trying to take over my partner's job at school, Jeremiah. Jeremiah was moving to Paris. And then I was like, oh, you know, I've been doing this. Like, I'll, I'll take the job. And then they tried to sponsor me. They didn't work. And uh, that's when someone called me and they were like, do you want to come to Copenhagen? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll come to Copenhagen. And so I moved to Copenhagen. I did the whole Europe thing, working in like really hardcore restaurants. And that was it. Kind of like look back and that's what I was doing, you know. How was that being of Mexican descent living in Europe? And like so far away yeah. from your family and even coming back to New York and not having your family. I think it's really hard. It can get a little lonely um, not to have like that sense of community around. Well, for me, it was easy because I can just work. And for me, that was the that was the goal. And I think that's what I, f I fit in in, the, in place in a lot of places that a lot of people don't fit in because I really was just there for the for the job. You know, I care about my family. And I like at the time I was like, I mean, those were my friends, too. You know, I like I work with them 20 hours a day. So I create friends. They're just the same people I see for a hundred and change hours a week. But um, that was the easiest thing for me because there was nothing else. There was just the work. And then, you know, you know, it's going to be a rough day. And then there's another day and it's another rough day, but it's fine. And then you start, you know, at the end of the day, nothing is rough. And then you're just like performing. And that was just for me at the time, that was the best thing that could have happened because I was young. I didn't have to think about anything else. And that was it. So you just threw yourself into work to kind of adjust into the new yeah. uh, city or wherever you were. Yeah. But yeah, as, yeah. as a young person, did, was there any part of you that was like, wow, I wish I could just... Have some fun. I mean, more conventional fun versus just work. Yeah, because you were very young. You were when you were, you know, in Copenhagen. How old were you? Like nineteen. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I'm sure looking at your peers in Mexico City, they were kind of like more like having fun, going out. Yeah. Right. So, how did that feel for you? And did you ever kind of like resent the fact that you were working while they were having fun? Well. Uh, you know, the resentment came much later. And I actually think the <laughs> the resentment came like maybe like pandemic times when I was coming into the own reality of what my life had been so far. Because Whoa. when I say I was in music in high school, I was in it. You know, it was like I was in a in a very I was part of a very hardworking group of people who we were all looking for promoters. We were looking at venues. We were talking to radio shows. We were like doing this, doing that. Like it was work. I was, you know, after school, I was ro like roadie for friends of mine. You know, my friends were opening for Misfits and like Dead Kennedys at the time when we were like 15. And I was helping them because I played the drums. So I was helping them with, with that, being a roadie, all that stuff. So I never, I never got that. I always just wanted to work. I never, and I partied too. I'm not saying I didn't party, you know, yeah. we played and we party. We you know, just drinking when I was 15. And I think just my upbringing made me think that working was part of the party, having fun yeah. situation. So I just never, I never really thought about that, to be honest. And then during the pandemic, what made the kind of resentment come in? Well, I think I just saw everyone kind of like being able to take a step back and kind of reassess their lives and I'm like well I don't I have a couple businesses so I that's not something I could do 
I, I guess that was the trickiest and maybe the darkest part of the whole thing emotionally for me was that for the first time in my entire life, I felt stuck, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. Like you had a responsibility that you had to stay here. And, yeah. and it probably didn't help that your girlfriend at the time was wanting to move back yeah. and she could just pick up and leave. And right. so many people around you, I'm sure, were like, I'm just going to move back with my family versus yeah. you had to stay here and survive. Yeah. How did you get through that? I guess still getting through it. Yeah. Because, you know? I mean, owning I a restaurant during the pandemic is... I mean, yeah. one of no, the worst things. That- I can also kind of relate because I actually moved to L.A. from New York to get my business out of COVID. There was a little bit of resentment there, but also I'm very grateful that I ended up in L.A. But I can and yours is on a much larger scale. But I, I, I do understand that notion of like having that responsibility and you can't just like escape. Yeah. And it's in the very moment you're also not thinking. I mean, you have to think about it, but in, on the other hand, you're kind of like working on yourself. So it's like this very difficult like moment in your life. And also you're responsible for the res- The restaurants never closed. We were doing uh, meals for hospitals. We were trying to bring in money. Didn't you open Contraire? Yeah, we opened like a fake uh, take out <laughs> Chinese thing and then we turn Wilder into sandwiches like the donuts so it never stopped it never really stopped but there was also not the you know at the time we didn't know about the loans we didn't know about the grants we didn't know about anything and so it was like those two things and that's when you know we started losing staff everyone was going on unemployment traveling or like you know traveling during COVID wherever they could go um and like finding themselves. And I was that was the only time that I've ever had, I think, to to sit and think, oh, like, you know, what if I would have done things differently or anything? Right. So um, it sounds like it made you question your entire path to that moment. Yeah. Which sure. I will say I think is completely normal. I definitely think everyone did. Everyone had the moment of like, how did we get here? How did we end up here? It's almost like in a weird way. What's the point? What's yeah. the point? It makes <laughs> yeah. you think what's the point. And it also makes you think what now I'm only thinking about this right now, but collect as a collective consciousness, we're almost not blaming ourselves, but I, I think everyone took on the pandemic really almost personally, yeah. like what was happening during the pandemic. I remember a friend of mine who's a therapist, I was like, it's so funny how we're so hard on ourselves. We're like upset that we're not working out from our 500 square foot apartments and like not getting our workouts. in. it's like we're in the middle of something very traumatizing and very intense. And it's changed the way we think. It's changed the way we work. We operate like we as we're all scared. Like, I think not just financially, but for our health, for our physical bodies, for our loved ones. I think it's so fascinating how it sounds like for everyone, it really did create the space to think what's the point and how did we get here but on the flip side like in hindsight it kind of feels like we're almost taking it on as our fault like if I hadn't opened restaurants in New York City I wouldn't be here today but it's like who could have predicted that yeah Yeah. but I also think what you know what Fabian's saying is like you know everyone had the time to question their identity and their past and then make a change so it's like they're like, yeah, whereas you, know, you didn't feel you know, like you could. I'm working at the shop. Wait, why am I working at the shop? I actually hate it. Great. I'm going to quit and move to 
Bali and just chill. Whereas you were like, why did I shoot? Like, what's going on? Like questioning everything. But like, I have no choice. Like I need to survive these restaurants. So like, yeah. okay, let's turn this into a sandwich shop. Let's do donuts. And it's like, you weren't given the the space that a lot of people around you were to make a change because you had this responsibility. Yeah. Well, and on the other, on the flip side, I was given the time to think that I never had. So like, you know, I just really spent my entire life with the thought that you are what you do. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you get to the moment where what you're doing isn't doable anymore. So what are, who am I? So who are you if you're not doing what you're doing? It's like an identity crisis. It's like right. you identified with yeah. the restaurant so much. Yeah. And then when you weren't part of like, it, okay. you were like, who am I? Yeah. Yeah. So then exactly. what did you, did you just throw yourself into the restaurant again? Or were you, did you do any introspective? Did you kind of like lean into that question? Yeah, I think that, that changed quite a bit of times. Um, I really started thinking about, you know, maybe my life with this person or like spending more time with my parents, whatever that was. So I was thinking more of like, let's just take a step back and be part of it. And then like, you know, see the other aspects. And then, you know, uh, my ex-girlfriend moved out. She moved to Dublin. And then was she I, your ex when she moved out or was she? We were still together. Oh, so she and were then, doing long yeah. distance. And so I think we tried that for for a couple of months and I was traveling to Mexico. I was really trying to take that kind of mindset of like, I'm going to go see my parents every month. I'm going to go to Dublin every month and then I'm going to come here, work, and then I'll see what happens. And six months happened. And like, I think I felt just like an elastic band that was just like, you know, I like, what do you call it? When an elastic band just it break, breaks, yeah. and it just broke. And, you know, I think uh, she felt the same way, maybe for different reasons. We broke up. We're, we're still good friends. She's great, but we just wasn't working out. And then I think that that's when everything changed for me. I think that's when I, I'm like, okay, you know, the restaurants are who I am. But also I need to find the ways of who I am that are not the restaurants. So I like, I think my my new or the new chapter of my life is kind of like how to split those personalities and sort of agreeing that they're both one and the same. That's where I am right now. Just, you know, really throwing myself at the work, but also, you know, being able to leave early on a th- Thursday night to have dinner with friends or, you know, being like, I'm gonna go home. These are the dates. That's it. And if someone is like, well, this has happened, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's too bad. Like, let's just make it happen another way. I have to go home. You're setting yeah. boundaries for what's important to you. Yeah. That's a huge mental shift. So mm-hmm. kudos for to you. you. Yeah. yeah. Kudos to you. Because I think it takes a long time for people to realize that if you identify with something external, you're never going to be fulfilled. Right. Like if you're constantly identifying with everything out there and when you get a Michelin star and when you get a, an amazing critic reward and all that, like that ends one day and then you're left with yourself questioning. Who, yeah. Who am I? And to be honest with you, it's a bit of um, this whole thing. And I I'm, I hope you've had similar experiences, but I think it's a bit of empowering just realizing that you've done all of these things. And yes, like awards and all those things help, but we've, we're coming out of it and we're still thriving and we're still, you know, the fact that I think about it 
And I think that I could go on our social media and maybe have a bigger impact in my business than a review in the New York Times, I think is something, you know. You take it into your own Really hands. powerful yeah. to think about. You don't have to be... Uh, reliant. You don't have to be reliant on all of these things. You can just like make sure that the work gets done on your own hands and like you built it. It's very um, empowering. That, yeah, that's so. amazing. Yeah. So how do you deal with like when someone comes in and gives you like a bad review or a shitty critic or whatever it is, like, do you take any of that stuff personally or are you able to be like, okay, that's their opinion? Now I think it's their opinion, but then before I would be like, okay, it's your opinion. And you know, really sorry you had a bad experience. But now I think it's more like, oh, really sorry you had a bad experience, but this is my perspective. And it's like, we don't have to agree, but like not everything's built for everyone. Where I, before I was like, we have to be built for everyone. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. And now it's just really like, I think everyone out there who's doing something just needs to know that they're if they're doing it, they're doing it right. You know, at, at a certain extent, like, you know, if you have a nice restaurant that like 80% of people like, it's because you're doing something right. Yeah. You know, if you have a podcast that thousands of people are listening, you're probably doing something right. So there's one person who's not going to like it. Shout out to so. our Mexican listener. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You guys that. are we're on the charts in Mexico. So whoever's I, listening, please continue. I said that to Fabian. I was like, is this, did you do something? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Maybe. No, I think that's such good advice because like when Jasmine and I started this podcast too, we were like, but what if like no one listens and it's not like, going to be successful or anything but then we always come back to it's like first of all this is fulfilling for us to do and second of all even if one person listens and we're able to affect one person's life we're successful right and sometimes so often whenever we do or we start companies or do an initiative there's like one person who gives a bad review or one negative comment and we tie so much to that instead of looking at all the amazing people who love what we're doing yeah. or like the inner fulfillment that we're deriving from it. It's amazing how much like that one comment can derail you. It's like, and I used to be, I used to be like, and I still probably am like that. And my partner, Jeremiah always gives me grief for it, but I, re I read all the reviews, all of them. And then, you know, there might be 10. You read all of them? I read every single like, review. Customer reviews. Yeah. Really? Like Yelp, Google. It's hard everything. not to. Yeah. And then, you know, there'll be like 20 good reviews and then I'll read a bad one and I'll be like, oh my God, I'll just show it to every single one yeah. in the restaurant. And then Jeremiah will be like, well, why don't you just look at the 10, 10 good reviews and I'll be like. Yeah, it's good to have okay. that perspective. That's that a good ba partner. Balancing yeah, out. I also like something I wanted to get into is like the relationship between you and your partner. You know, you, you mentioned that you're very complimentary, you know, skill sets. Yeah. How is it always just kind of having a sounding board? You know, me and him, uh, Jeremiah and myself, we've known each other for, I'll say, 12 years. All like professional adultship years, just coming down from, you know, I mean, growing together professionally and as uh, as an adult. And, you know, we become really good friends. And I think that that is, uh, I mean, it's easy to say it, but I think that's why our relationship is so successful is because we really count on each other you know it's it's become sort of like we've thrown ourselves into an idea that these restaurants are our livelihood so we're not like i wouldn't let him down he wouldn't let me down 
And so that's why we just like let each other do our own thing. He has the things that he does and I have the things that I do. And that kind of just like, it always just works. You know, we, when we travel, we go out to eat together. We listen to the same music. We have the same friends. We go to the same shows. So it's always like the, even though, you know, we all, we each have our separate lives. There's like those things that matter within our relationship. They just click, you know, sometimes we'll go out to eat at a restaurant and then I'll be tasting this dish and I'll be like, uh, this is not for me, but I like, I know, I know you're liking this. And he'll be like, yeah, I like it. And then, you know, the opposite, he'll be like, this is so a bit sweet. like sweet. But yeah, yeah, it seems like you have such a nice relationship because it's hard to find like a, in like a co-founder type relationship. It's really hard to find someone that you resonate with, that you're like-minded, that you're kind of always on the same page. And most of all, that it feels easeful, like you're not forcing. Yeah. And a lot of it's, it's compromise. You know, I think we come from two families and our parents have been together I mean, we, of course, come from families, but our parents, uh, his parents, my parents, they've been together for, I mean, I don't know, 40, 45 years. And I think everyone who's been in a relationship or who has parents who are still in a relationship, it's like, it's a lot of commitment and it's a lot of sacrifices and it's a lot of like accepting the other person's views on things. And I think that um, the reason why a relationship works is because we're able to make those sacrifices you know and it's not like not big sacrifices it's like is the wall gonna be green or blue blue green okay blue you know stuff like that and i think that's why it works but yeah it's good it's has it taught you a lot about how to be in a romantic relationship because this is like sound <laughs> advice for all relationships right allowing space for that person to be themselves accepting them respecting Compromise. them compromising yeah i mean i Yes, but I and but yes, but I also think a lot of it comes from seeing my parents have a relationship modeled a healthy relationship yeah. for you. That's amazing. You know, I don't know if healthy is the word. Healthyish, healthyish is the word. Yeah. So I mean, they're still together. So I'm trying to say. Listen, everyone has their stuff, right? Yeah. It would be crazy if they were still together and they were just like perfect. I think that's a big fallacy, right? Mm. Speaking of your parents, do you think you'd ever move back to Mexico? I don't think I've ever moved back, but I think I I have been planning my life to spend more time there. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And you've mentioned this right before we started recording, and I just think it's so interesting that when you speak Spanish, you feel like you have a different personality. Personality. Yeah. That's amazing. I want to hear more about that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I remember <laughs> like every time we, we went to Mexico, I remember my ex-girlfriend would say, Oh, you know, like you, you like you get in the taxi and you're just chatting to the to the boys in the taxi for hours and hours and hours. And she'd be like, I've never seen you do that in New York, America or anything. And I think it's just like there's something that changes, you know, like when I go back to Mexico, I go back to the person I was when I was 15 and I left the punk band. Yeah. I'm, and then I'm here. I'm just like, you know, I don't know. The guy who I become here, but yeah, you know, not in not in different ways. Like I think things differently, but for me, it's just easier to associate with things. It's like the same thing when you're talking to someone who knows exactly what you're talking about. The references, mm -hmm. political references, cultural references. You know, like at Jax, we have a ton of Mexican workers, and then you know, I'm just like chatting to them about music, and I'm like, oh, hear about this and this and this. 
And like if I go to Jeremiah or anyone at the restaurant, I'm like, oh, do you guys read about the Mexican president? They'll be like, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. So I think that makes sense. Yeah. It's also, I think, like I'm when I'm with my high school friends, I feel like I'm different than when I'm with my... Different with, people just bring different, different people. Things. Yeah, I also think it's like a uh, stage in life. Yeah. Like New York was your career, cooking, like a different side of you. Yeah. And then it's just different. I was going to ask one question that leads into our last question. Okay. Because you mentioned that during the pandemic, you were asking off, like, what's the point? Why? What What did I build? Why am I here? Are you still currently asking that often? Um, and has it changed the way you've, like, approached? It definitely seems like it's changed the way you've approached life, like setting boundaries for yourself. Has it changed the way you approach business or, like, how seriously you take it or... Not in a bad way, but just more so being like having that perspective. You know, I think ever since I was a kid, I was there's this running joke in my family that I I don't have. I, I don't think it's anxiety, but I always worry. I'm always worried. I'm worried about everything all the time. Mm-hmm. And so that's the joke in my family that I'm always worried. I'm like worried, worried, worried. If like my brother would go out and then wouldn't come back late, I'd be calling him. I'd be like, what happened? And he'd be like, nothing. I was just out. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and then so I, I've always been thinking about, I guess when you ask yourself that question, what is the point? It's like you're talking about something that, what is the point of doing this, right? Like you already, you're expecting something. So if it doesn't happen, what is the point? And so now I've just, I've just stopped trying to have those situations where I'm like expecting something to happen. You know, I'm just working i'm just like doing this i'm just doing things without expecting anything yeah. you're going with the flow versus yeah i guess forcing. I, I was trying to avoid going with the flow but i guess I yeah but releasing expectation yeah. is so powerful because then you have to focus on process same thing with our with as we said about this podcast like instead of focusing on like how it does or what people think which i'm sure people have plenty of opinions think about how much fun we have doing it and what how great it's been for our guests and for ourselves and yeah you know selfishly but yeah i think it's just i've stopped thinking about the outcomes and then i just that's see great. Da- day to day that's an know? amazing shift yeah so day we we will though ask you what's your point as the or last what's question. the point for you right now what's yeah. the point for me and it can evolve um, tomorrow it could be something it could change in 10 minutes well that, that is the point for me i think the point is to just take it day by day, you know? My mindset now is that I think it's good to have goals. And like, goals are just goals there to be met. You should just think that maybe you don't meet them, but they're good to have because it's good to have a map. Mm-hmm. But like, I think I also have the thought in my mind that like, okay, maybe it doesn't work out like that, but whatever happens and you're like, you're driving yourself to that goal, then just be grateful. You know, something will happen and that is all. And I think just adjusting motivations, like you said, you know, all the time, it's like, you know, I I, I think we all spend times of our uh, years of our lives expecting for these things to happen. Like, I want to get married, have kids, all these mm-hmm. things. And then like, you know, maybe you're in a situation where it didn't happen. Doesn't mean that it won't happen. So just like live every day. Wow. I love that. Love it. Yeah, just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it won't happen. Yeah, be a river, you know? Yeah, that's also faith. Faith. Right? Yeah, faith. Thank you so much. Thank this you was amazing. So much, Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.